Well, good morning, one and all. So glad you are here. And again, just awesome to have uh, the extended family here today. It's an honor to have you guys with us. Hey, before we turn to the word, um, I wanted to share with you just a moment uh, about Ukraine. And uh, if you are on our uh, text or email list or may have seen on social media that uh, we sent out word for that there's two ways that as a church family that we can really work in support of the Ukrainian people. Last, last Sunday we shared that we have four square churches and leaders both in Russia and in Ukraine. And there's a ministry of Foursquare globally, because we're part of many, I mean, tens of thousands of churches around the world that are Foursquare churches. There's something that's called Foursquare Disaster Relief. And it's a part of our Foursquare missions work, but Foursquare Disaster Relief, or FDR, they go boots on the ground immediately when there's a crisis anywhere happening around the world. They do this if there's a natural disaster somewhere, and of course right now during this war-torn area of Ukraine and the surrounding areas, and you're watching the news like I am, and over a million and a half refugees already pouring out of Ukraine. Foursquare Disaster Relief actually is there and is working through local church leaders. And so there is an opportunity to give towards uh, the work that is happening right now on the ground. And if you just go to our sm4.org slash giving page, just go to our website and click on giving. What you're going to see is that there's a button there that just says Ukraine Relief. And if you go there... Um, 100% of anything you donate is going to get used there in Europe to help in Ukraine, in Russia, in the surrounding areas where refugees are pouring. And it's one of the most practical things we can do. But can I tell you this? It's one of the most beautiful, faith-filled things that we can do is to respond just with open hearts and, can I say, open wallets Listen, I don't know how long this conflict, this war is going to be going on. There are experts that are predicting that it will not be weeks, it will not be months, but it'll be measured in the years. And I know that we can look at our own uh, bank accounts, right? And we look at escalating gas prices and all those things and say, you know, dang it, you know, can't they just figure stuff out and work things out and let's move on? Let's get back to the way it was. Friends, I'll tell you, things are not going back to the way things were. There's a new reality that's happening, and part of the reality of probably for our next seasons is to faithfully contribute above and beyond to help those who are in most need in this humanitarian crisis. I mean, when we, we think about our gas prices, but then all we need to think about is millions of people being displaced from their homes. Children, babies, infants, orphans, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas that are being torn from what they've known and are being you know, placed into, you know, we pray places of, of health and safety and resource. But that's why our giving is so important because there are pastors and ministry leaders that are there to help and to resource and to provide 
Everything that is needed, not just you know, food and water and shelter, but spiritual need as well. And so this is a very practical way that we can come alongside, and it's probably something that we're gonna be doing for seasons ahead. So think about, as not only as you give to the church and you give to what's happening locally here in Santa Maria, and I'm just gonna ask that you would extend your heart to our brothers and sisters in this war-torn region, and that you would give generously. And, uh, and not only do we give financially, but listen, one of the best ways that we can give spiritually is to pray. And I know in my own heart, I've been, I've been praying daily for Ukraine and for the leaders and whatnot, but I'll tell you, the, the longer this goes, the, the harder it's gonna be to remain consistent, to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But friends, would you continue to pray? And I just had it on my heart yesterday as I was praying and just thinking about today that, that I'm gonna be here tonight at 6 p.m. in the sanctuary. It's not gonna be a time of worship. It's not gonna be a time of fellowship. It's gonna be a time of prayer and intercession um, for this region, for Ukraine, for Russia, for global leaders, that God would show up in miraculous and powerful ways to Turn hearts as only God can do and protect lives. And so any who would like to join me at 6 p.m., you're welcome to be here. We're gonna pray for an hour. Um, but like I said, it's not gonna be a fun social time. This is gonna be like getting after and contending in the spirit for what's going on in that region. So you are welcome. You're, you're welcome to uh, bring your family, bring your children. But uh, we're gonna be right here um, praying at 6 p.m. today. Why don't we pray right now? <laughs> God, there is so much happening in our world. Lord, there's so much happening right in our own homes and in our own city. Lord, but there is, we, we need to lift our eyes and we need to think about, God, what is happening all around this planet. And God, we are so grateful for the knowledge that, Lord, you are the God who does not sleep who does not slumber, that 24-7, that God, that you are aware and that you are present and that you are at work. And God, we pray that right now that you would be at work, Lord, in the hearts and lives, Lord Jesus, of people in Ukraine, also in people, also those in Russia that are just kind of torn apart and don't know what's happening with their own country. Jesus, change hearts Save lives. Work within government systems. But Lord, more than anything, Lord, we ask, Father, that you would intervene supernaturally and miraculously as only you can do. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. I believe that one day that we're going to get reports back of what God is doing right now because of the body of Christ globally, standing up together to encircle this part of the world in faith and in generosity, and we're gonna just get testimonies and reports of what, what is going on, and I'll do my best to help 
get information out to you. If you didn't get a text or email from me uh, yesterday evening, uh, that's just because you haven't yet signed up to get, a part, get our church communication. And, and for those who might be new or have just never done that, it's really easy to get signed up to just get uh, communication that goes out from the church. And all you need to do is text hello SM4 uh, to 97,000. Uh, if you just text those words, hello SM4 to 97,000, um, it's going to ask you, hey, would you like to get communication via email or via text message? And it's a way that we just stay in communication as needed um, as a church family. So invite you to do that. And hey, today we are beginning a new series. And uh, I, I'm excited for this, as, even as I was praying at the beginning of the year that like, God, what, what do you want for our church family? What do you want for me, for us? I really sensed from the Lord that, uh, that we were to take a season, a chunk of time to really step into and think about our, our hearts, to think about our hearts and growing and guarding a God-shaped Heart. And so today we're beginning a, a new series that's going to take us at least up until Easter about having a heart for God. Listen, the heart right here, this beating in every single one of our chests, it's an amazing, amazing thing that God designed his creative genius on display. Do you know that your heart beats on average about 100,000 times every day? Every day, about 100,000 times. And did you know that your heart every day pumps about 2,000 gallons of blood through, through your body, bringing nutrients and oxygen and, and removing all the junk that our bodies create? Man, the heart is so amazing. And if you were to like, I, I, I like did the math on this. If you were to like just say, okay, then over the average lifetime, which is about 78 plus years in the United States, do you know that over the average lifetime that your heart will beat about three billion times? Oh, that's amazing. And that 2,000 gallons of, of blood that gets pumped through our bodies every single day over a lifetime, that that blood, check this out, is, is the equivalent of 86 Olympic-sized swimming pools. That is a lot of blood. And that's what our hearts do. Our hearts are amazing. And you have probably heard sometime in your life, whether you follow God today, right at this moment, or not, you've probably heard, hey, invite Jesus into your heart. Invite Jesus into your heart which is a very interesting thing. It's like, into my, into my heart? Yeah. It's like many times in the New Testament, we're told that Jesus actually comes and lives within us, that he's given us his Holy Spirit and that Jesus lives within us. But it was Paul writing to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 3.17 that he actually said these words. He said, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Let's leave that scripture up there for a moment. Why don't we personalize that and read that all aloud together. So here's what we're gonna do. Christ will make his home in my heart as I trust in him. Are you ready? Here we go. Ephesians 3.17, 
Christ will make his home in my heart as I trust in him. But I think intuitively we all recognize that what Paul was talking about, the Apostle Paul talking about Jesus coming and dwelling in us and literally inhabiting our hearts, he was not talking about somehow that the Son of God would take up residence in the four chambers of my heart, right? Our heart is made up of four chambers. It's not like God's like, I'm tired of heaven. I'm like moving into the ventricles and the arteries and veins of your physical heart. Something else is going on when we hear that Jesus will make his home in our hearts. But why are we told this? And why, when we read scripture from the Old Testament through the New Testament, that there are dozens and dozens of scriptures that talk about the importance of our hearts? Why is that? I believe it's because the heart has always represented the center of our lives. The center of our lives. The centrality of our heart isn't just viewed in physical terms, although, you know, we think, you know, because like place your right hand over your heart and we always go way over here. You know, the heart really is in the center of our chest. I mean, did like just slightly over to the left, but I mean, it's like, look it up. It's like, it's right there in the center. But the centrality of our heart is not just viewed in physical terms. It is the center of our passions our will, and our most deeply held beliefs. Would you think for a moment with me about three things that kind of describe who and what we are as people? Think about the hands, the head, and the heart. Right, the hands, that's like the stuff that that we do, right? It's our skills, it's our abilities, all the stuff that we do. Our head, you know, that's all of our thoughts that we process and, you know, we make final decisions. It's kind of like what I call our chooser. You know, I choose which way I'm going to go. But our heart, like I said, is the center of our passions, center of our will, the center of our most deeply held beliefs. Listen, when someone first gets to know you, they first meet you, how do they really get to know you? I, they kind of get to know the hands part of who you are. They get to know you by what you do, right? It's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I see Susie and I know like what she's about because of what she does. She's a prayer person. So I kind of get to know her. Oh, she's, she's one of those fake people, right? Okay. We get to know each other by what we do first. But when we get to know each other more deeply and kind of like enter into a bit of relationship with each other, then we kind of maybe get to know like the person's thoughts, how they process what they're thinking about. And so we kind of take it to the next level. But if we really get to know someone, it's at that, not just the hands or the head level, it's at the heart level, where all of a sudden, for good or for bad, right? We, got to, we get to start to see either the beauty or the brokenness of what's happening in their hearts. As the passions start to overflow and 
their will is shown in their most deeply held beliefs. And guess what? We can also re kind of, well, maybe reverse engineer that because it's, it's what's in our hearts that will work its way out to our heads, then come out in our hands, right? What starts here, it's gonna go here and then be worked out by what we actually do. It's why Jesus said this, is that out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. Remember Jesus said that? It's like, what's in your heart, it's gonna come out. Why? Because what, what we're feeling and passionate about here it's gonna go up to our brains and then it's gonna get worked out. But it's, listen, those words that Jesus spoke were not just about our words. It's, you're not just gonna say what's in your heart. You're gonna do whatever is in your heart because it's our heart that drives our decisions. It's our heart that drives our decisions. It's at the end of the month, you're looking at your bank account and all of a sudden you realize, ooh, there's more month than money. I, I, I am out of cash. But then we're online or we're walking through the store and all of a sudden we see the bright, shiny object. Guess what? Our head is telling us, there ain't no more money. There are no more ducats. It, it, that well is dry. Oh, but my heart says bright, shiny object. I must, I want you. I want you. And so what do we end up doing? If we're not careful, we're gonna do whatever that heart tells us to do. We're married or in a deeply committed relationship. We're online. And what do we see? Mmm, something that piques our interest. Something within me is stimulated by whatever I see. Or maybe we run into that old flame of ours. Mmm. Now our head is telling us, warning, warning. Bad scenario. This is going to end poorly, right? Oh, we've seen what happens in other people's lives and stories when we go down that road. Do not, we're talking, oh, just terrible things. Relationally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all the stuff that can go wrong. But guess what happens? Our heart, though, is like, dunk, 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 dunk. Something is going on that is deeper much deeper than just what I am like thinking about. Well, would this be a rational good decision right now for me to click here or go and talk to that individual over there? See, it's our hearts more than anything else that will drive our decisions. Our heart lead our head and then the head says, hands, do it, go for it. This is why Jesus, I believe, when he was asked, what is the greatest command? Of all the commands, and when you know Old Testament scripture a little bit, you know, you know, man, it was filled with commands. There was a lot of them, but when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? You can find this in Mark chapter 12. It's where Jesus says this, you must love the Lord 
your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And guess what? Love your neighbor as yourself. He gives this kind of five-fold answer that you've heard me talk about this before because this is such a central, important scripture. But what does Jesus start with? The heart. Above everything else, we must love the Lord our God with all our heart. Why does he see that? Because it is primary. It is central to who we are. And everything else will flow from our hearts. And because this is like central, my heart is central to who I am, guess what? It becomes contested territory. There is a battle that is being waged for our hearts. And there is a battle being waged for the heart of your children and the heart of your husbands or of your wives, of your neighbors, your coworkers, people you go to school with. There's a, this war that is being waged for our hearts. It's like it's a literal battle. In fact, it was Jesus who shed his blood already in this battle. Going to the cross. Literally, remember, he, he wasn't just nailed to the cross. His heart was pierced. Think about that for a moment. On the cross, his heart was pierced. Why? For you and for me, that our hearts might be free. Free from the tyranny from the enslavement, from the manipulation of hell that would want to just occupy our hearts and lead us in a path that is going to be destructive and end in death and pain and a whole lot of misery along the way. There is a battle going on for this contested space of our hearts. Over the next weeks, we're going to be talking about several different ways that scripture tells us to grow our heart for God and to guard our hearts for God. But today, I just wanna do a quick little look into a story that's at the beginning of Acts. And if you've been involved in our 260 reading plan, we are reading through the New Testament right through the year. Five chapters a week, it's really easy. If you haven't started yet, pick one of these up on your way out or you can find it online. It just, just look for 260 on our website. You can download the plan there. And what we're doing is we're reading five chapters a week through the New Testament. And right now we are in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the stories of the very first followers of Jesus. And it was in Chapter one of Acts, we read just a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus is just ready to return to heaven. He had died, he'd been raised to life, and it was his last days with his disciples, and it's where he tells them in Acts chapter one that I am going to send my Holy Spirit upon you to empower you as my followers. 
And then we get to Acts chapter 2 and we see the fulfillment of what Jesus promised. The Holy Spirit is poured out in this beautiful and powerful and unique way uh, on about 120 people, it says, that are gathered in this upper room who are all like in unity and they were praying and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. And guess what? Throughout Jerusalem, it says that this created this commotion because whatever was going on in that upper room was loud and was vibrant and was beautiful, and, but people like couldn't figure it out. They're like, something's going on and we want to see what's happening. And so literally it says that thousands of people like just came running to this place to figure out what is going on. It's like, Beto, something's going on over there. Let's go check it out. So these thousands of people come just running together to find out what is going on. But here's what I want you to think about for a second. That crowd that like came to just like check this out, they had no idea what was going on. They had no idea that this was something of God. In fact, they, at first they assumed these people are drunk. It's the first thing that they said, ah, these people are just drunk, they're just crazy. They had no idea. But I want you to think about this, that the people who came running to figure out what was going on there in Acts chapter two, many of them, would have been in the crowds just weeks earlier shouting out to the Roman governor Pilate saying, crucify him, crucify him. They were like complicit in the murder of Jesus. And now they're running to check out what is going on with these crazy people. What is going on? And they had no idea that it was the same Jesus that they had advocated for his death on the cross. That Jesus himself was about to unleash something of beauty and love through his mission of salvation and a message of the gospel, the good news that it's because of Jesus that we can actually have life. And so all these thousands of people gather and it says that Peter, who again, man, just weeks before had really, really blown it and really messed up. His heart was a little divided. And here he is with a transformed heart, standing up before these thousands of people and he begins to tell them about Jesus. That this Jesus who had been crucified, that he is the Christ, the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And that guy that you were screaming to be crucified, he is alive. We have seen him. We have been with him. And he shares this beautiful story of Jesus. And then he comes to his main point. And it's found in verses 36 through 38 of Acts chapter two. Listen to what Peter says after he shares this beautiful story of what's gone on. He says this, he says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Now listen to these words because they're really important here. Peter's words, 
pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It says that Peter's words pierced their hearts. I believe that it was because it was more than just Peter's words that he was like actually speaking on behalf of God here. He, he was someone who was now empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit who had just been poured out on him. And so he's getting up there declaring these things on behalf of Jesus himself. And so there's this empowerment to his words. And the words pierced their heart. They came to this deep realization that, oh my God, like I am complicit in the death of this man who was innocent, the Christ. Have you ever been cut to the heart? Has your heart ever been pierced? Because I'll tell you, it's a lot more than just like getting some news. Ah, oh, that's interesting, you know. Mm, let me chew on that for a minute. Let me absorb that that you're telling me. It's a whole lot more than just like getting some new information. It's information that comes to us, but rather than just being absorbed slowly and gently, no, it's like blunt force trauma to our soul. Boom. Like, oh my God. What have I been doing? How have I been so blind? What was I thinking? And like literally, it like breaks our heart. And because they were pierced to the heart... And one of the reasons we know that this is like genuine, this is not like just some emotional thing in the moment, is they immediately asked, listen, what should we do? Remember how our heart drives our behaviors out of the overflow of our heart, like that's what we do? Our heart drives our decisions. And so what, what do they do? When their hearts were pierced, their hearts began to change. These people who just weeks earlier had been murderous, ugly, broken people, far from God. Now their hearts were pierced and open. And their hearts drove their decision. What should we do? And well, Peter replies. He says, repent. Repent of your sin and receive Jesus' forgiveness. And that's exactly what they did. It says about 3,000 of them that day turned their hearts to the Lord and were baptized. That was a long baptistry service. It was a, a lot of people got baptized that day. And guess what? Remember where it says that Jesus will make his home in our hearts when we trust in him? That's exactly what Jesus did. 
Jesus moved into these people's hearts and their lives began to change. So much so that I want to show you what it says just a few verses later. It's in the same chapter, Acts chapter 2, but if you just go down just a few verses, to starting in verse 46, it talks about those people saying this, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together, how? With glad and generous hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Other people that were saying, whoa, something is going on is different. Something in your heart has changed. I want what you got. I don't know what it is yet, but man, something is different about you. See, when when there's heart level change, people can see it. It is observable. Why? Because our hearts drive what we do. So when there's heart change, people better be able to see it. And let me just talk to you, church, for a second about that. If you have been following after Jesus, right, in my heart, I've been following him, but it hasn't yet like become real to those who are watching your life and watching your story. I'm telling you, we need to go back to that heart place and say, Jesus, have I given you all of my heart? Or am I still holding on to things that shouldn't be there? I mean, we, just, we need to look at our decisions that we're making, our behaviors, how we're living life, the decisions we're making. And we need to trace those back to our heart and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? If my neighbors were to come in and see what I'm doing and how I listen to how I'm talking and look at my browsing history online and all those kind of things, would there be evidence in my behavior that there has been a heart change? Do they know that Jesus has made his home in my heart. They have glad and generous hearts. I love that phrase. I think it represents a lot of what we should look like. Glad people. Generous people. Glad. Joy-filled. Knowing that the God of the universe has set me free from all of that junk that used to be in my heart. That I live now free, forgiven, as his child, embraced in his love. Woo! There's a lot to be joyful about and to have glad hearts. Listen, even when we know that the world around us is broken and ain't getting better anytime soon, there is something in my heart that is still filled with this gladness and joy that in the darkest days that I can still experience the joy of the Lord and it's my strength and it says they not, didn't just have glad hearts they had generous hearts they went from being people who were self 
self-absorbed people who just thought about themselves to now it's like, whoa, when, when Jesus makes his home in my heart, he now causes me to begin to consider the other. And now I'm not just living so that I can thrive. And so everything is good for me. I now start to live so that others can thrive and be blessed. And so it just kind of pours out of me. Generosity, generosity in what I say, generosity in what I do, generosity when I open my wallet and a giver to others who are in need. God, you've blessed me with the bread that I need for today, so I'm gonna help someone else that is lacking that. Glad and generous hearts. There was this transformation that happened. And it's what we're gonna be talking about over the next coming weeks. How about you? Where is your heart? Like I said, there's this battle going on for this contested space of our hearts. I love what someone said hundreds of years ago. There was a brilliant man living in France in the 17th century. You may not know his name, but maybe you do. Because he was a world-shaping thinker. He was a mathematician, a scientist, an inventor. If you've ever gotten a shot, you can thank this guy because he invented the syringe. And he was a lover of God. A brilliant theologian who wrote many books, and his name was Blaise Pascal. And he loved God. And I love what Pascal said. We've got it up here on the screen. He said, There are two kinds of people that one can call reasonable those who serve God with all their heart because they know Him. And here's the second type of reasonable people, those who seek him with all their heart because they do not know him. We serve him because we know him or we're still in that place of seeking him because we don't know him yet. And listen, friends, I know that today there are people that are here that are in one of those two groups you either know him already and it's like, oh God, I wanna, I wanna keep growing in you. I want my heart to grow more and more to look like yours. Or there's people here that are like, I, I really can't honestly say that I know him yet. When you really think about the place of your heart and like who's in charge there, who has made their home in your heart. You say, well, it's not Jesus. Friends, there is an opportunity, and it's, it's the same opportunity that those thousands of people had as they gathered together that day, referenced in Acts chapter two. People who were far from God, who had actually just been filled with murderous rage and brokenness just weeks before. But here they were, and they were intersected by the love and mercy and grace of God.
and their hearts were pierced because they recognized their brokenness. They recognized that I'm lost and in need of God's forgiveness. So they turned to the disciples and said, what should we do? It's very simple. Repent. Change, right? That word repentance means to change. Like what my hands used to do, I'm no longer going to do. Am I going to be perfect now? But you know what? But every time that I do something that I know is wrong, I'm changing it. Because there's something happening here that is telling me that that is no longer acceptable. I mean, there's friends of mine in this room, right, who used to do a lot of different things, caught up in addictions, caught up in behaviors, caught up in brokenness, caught up in lies and deceit and cheaters and murderers, right? And yet God transforms hearts as he comes to live here, to make his home in our heart as we trust in him. So repent and receive forgiveness. Let's pray. God, we are amazed, Lord, as we read your word, because what we see is the Lord, that you transform hearts. Something that we could never do on our own. There is no way that we have the power to change our hearts, let alone anybody else's. But God, you are in the business of changing hearts and of taking people from that state of brokenness and sin and pain and God bringing mending and healing and forgiveness that sets us on a whole new path. So God, I I stand before you as one today who says, God, I know that you have come into my heart and are continuing to transform this heart. And Lord, now I, I would love to see others, Father, experience that in the same way, Lord, that you have graciously allowed me to experience. So Lord, I pray for my friends. They're in one of those two groups. They either know you or they don't. Lord, you either are dwelling, living, at residence in their lives or something else is taking up residence in their heart. And friends, I'm just gonna ask, if you are someone who says, I need to grow in God's grace, I need my heart to reflect more, but I've already received him, but God, I need you more and more. Would you do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I already know the Lord, but I want to grow. My hand is in the air because that's where I am today. God, continue to grow me and shape me. Heal me. Cleanse me. Help me grow in you. And now if there's anybody else that's in that second group that's like, when I look at my heart, I I know that I have never had my heart pierced where I've just opened up before to the Lord. But today, I'm saying yes to Jesus. 
God, I repent. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your grace and your mercy and your love to pour into me like never before. And if that's you, I'd like you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to I wanna join in on that. Out in the courtyard, in the room, if there's anybody that says, today, I want to open my heart to Jesus. Would you just like raise up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm doing that today, today. Yeah, ma'am, I see you in the back. Praise the Lord. Anybody else that wants to say, today is my day. Listen, you can do it tomorrow, but we're never guaranteed tomorrow. Open your heart to Jesus and receive his love and his grace. Amen. Yeah, bro, I agree with you. God, thank you that you are in the business of healing hearts, transforming hearts, transforming lives, transforming families, transforming us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come up and join Lisa up here. Listen, if you're one of those people that says, listen, I, I have given my life to the Lord, but I need to grow in this. There's stuff that's here that is working its way out that I, I need help with. Listen, we have people that are here to pray with you today over whatever is going on in your heart, in your life, in your situation. And if you're one of those people that said, today I'm opening up my heart for the first time to Jesus, would you come please and just pray and say, hey, would you pray along with me and just share with them that today I opened my heart to Jesus. Whether you raised your hand or didn't, you are welcome to come and say, today I'm opening up my heart to Jesus. And they're gonna pray with you and give you a resource and help to set you off on, on a good path. And if you're joining us today online, and if, wherever your heart is today, whether you wanna grow in the Lord or whether you wanna start a relationship with the Lord and invite him in, now we wanna hear about it. If you're on Facebook, you can just drop us a note right there. And uh, if you're watching some other, other means on YouTube or whatever, just go over to our church website, sm4.org, and you're gonna find a contact page there please drop us a note. Let us know what God is doing in your life because we want to pray with you. We want to partner with you. We want to help you any way we can from Santa Maria to help you on your journey with the Lord as you grow a heart for God. Church family, you are loved. Can't wait to see you again next week as we continue exploring this topic. It's going to be good. You're loved.